So, Larry the cat. I think we should have one of those. You, know, you think we should have an office cat? Well, y- y- yes, A. B, like, I think we need to have a White House cat. I think our president's been too dog-centric over uh-huh. the years. I think that's really the main issue uh, facing America today. The uh, lack of cats. Is the, the lack of cats in the White, White House. House. I feel yeah. like if there were more cats, we'd have, we'd have better outcomes. Well, uh, welcome to the KAC podcast. My name's Clay Wirestone. I'm the communications director here at Kansas Action for Children. And I'm joined by our outreach specialist, Mitch Rucker. Hello, Mitch. Hello, Clay. We were just talking about Larry the Cat, who is the official mouser for 10 Downing Street over in Great Britain, the United Kingdom. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, good news out of there recently, it seems, but that is a that um, Today's is a bright podcast spot. Has, has nothing whatsoever to do with cats or mice. Um, instead, I'm sitting down with Sheldon Weisgrau, a senior policy advisor at the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas and talking about Medicaid expansion. Sheldon Weisgrau. Hello, Clay Weierstone. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your title? What do you do? I am the Senior Policy Analyst for the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas. What that means is I spend most of my time on the policy issues surrounding Medicaid expansion in the state of Kansas. Um, I've been working on the campaign to expand the Medicaid program for close to nine years now and nearly full-time for about the last three years through the Alliance. And um, so I'm the guy who will analyze legislative proposals for what they might mean in terms of their impact on the Medicaid program and on the state of Kansas and on potential beneficiaries. And that's kind of separate and apart from the effort to get grassroots support for the program um, and separate and apart from the effort to lobby legislators about the program, although I'm involved in all those things too, but it's not my primary focus. Sure. So to just pull back kind of as, as far as possible from this, talk a little bit about what Medicaid is, kind of most basically, and then what Medicaid expansion is. Because I think sometimes people just kind of lump that all together, Medicare, Medicaid, whatever, and it's it's just maybe a little nebulous. Absolutely. No, it's, it's a great question, and it's actually something that is probably not even that well understood by a lot of legislators, which is unfortunate. I mean, they're passing um, policy and legislation on important things that ideally they would understand better. Um, but anyway, Medicaid is a program that uh, came into being in 1965 at the same time as Medicare, and it is designed to provide health coverage to some low-income people. And so Medicare is designed to provide health insurance coverage for senior citizens. So if you're 65 and over, most people will qualify for Medicare. Medicaid is a different program. It is shared administratively and financially by states and the federal government, and it is designed to provide some protection for low-income people. But it's not enough just to be low-income. You also have to be a member of one of the categories of people that's specifically defined in the law. And so you have to be low-income 
and a parent, or low income and a pregnant woman, or low income and a person with disabilities. And there's a couple of other categories. And the income eligibility limits for each of those categories are different. So it makes it a very complex program. States have wide latitude to determine eligibility requirements. And here in Kansas, we have among the strictest eligibility requirements in the country. So for example, in Kansas, if you're an adult without dependent children, you're not eligible for Medicaid, no matter what your income is. So you could have just lost your job, have no income at all, and if you're not a parent with dependent kids, you're not eligible. Even if you are a parent, the eligibility is very low. So here in Kansas, we limit eligibility for parents to people who make less than 38% of the federal poverty level. So to, to give you specifically an example of what that means, that means that a a mom with two kids, which is a pretty f- common family situation, has to make less than about $8,100 a year to qualify for the Medicaid program. So if she works a minimum wage job 22 hours a week, which is about half time, she makes too much money to qualify. So what we're talking about when we talk about expanding Medicaid is expanding that income eligibility limit all the way up to 138% of the federal poverty level, which is what the federal law says we can do. And that would take that single mom I just talked about from being limited to about $8,100 a year all the way up to about $28,000 a year. So when you start thinking in, in, in terms of people's lives, you can think of the difference that would make. That would mean that someone who works half-time at minimum wage would be able to accept more hours on her job without fear of losing her health insurance coverage. The way we have designed the program, we actually are providing people with a disincentive to work right now. And this would largely remove that and, and expand eligibility for the program. We estimate that about 150,000 people would join the program, and most of them are currently uninsured. Right. And so zeroing in then on, on Kansas, and you talked about kind of our current limitations on folks who are in the program or who might hope to be in the program, what would the benefits for Kansas be to become an expansion state? Well, you know, one of the interesting things about this topic is that um, the benefits are huge and they impact a lot of things beyond just health coverage, which is the direct thing we're talking about. And so obviously the most important thing and the first thing is that it's going to provide health insurance coverage for a lot of people who currently don't have it. And that means they will get better access to health care services, or alternatively, if they're currently getting some health care services, they'll be able to pay for those services. Um, right now we have folks who are uninsured and they might delay treatment, they might not go to see their doctor when they feel they need it because they're worried about what the cost of that can be. And then at the end of the day, they might end up getting care in the emergency room, which is not a, a very good place to get to get primary care, for example. But beyond that, it will have a lot of other indirect impacts. So providers that are now providing care and not getting paid for it will get paid for it. And so the financial viability of a lot of hospitals and other healthcare providers, particularly in rural communities, will will improve. Um, rural communities in Kansas uh, are largely supporting their hospitals through very high property taxes and sales taxes. It could provide some tax relief in those situations. For families that would be eligible for getting the benefit, 
getting health insurance coverage means immediately that they're no longer incurred incurring high rates of medical debt. And so for a lot of people, it is the difference between living in poverty and getting out of poverty. And, you know, for for a group that advocates on behalf of children, it has indirect benefits for children as well. Children are not directly eligible for coverage under this program. Kids are already covered above the income limit that that expansion would, would, would bring in. But we know from experience that there's a lot of uninsured kids in Kansas who are already eligible for Medicaid and CHIP but are not enrolled. If their parents get covered through an expanded Medicaid program, it's much more likely that the kids will get enrolled in coverage as well. And so I know that there are estimates, for example, from the Kansas Health Institute um, that about 30,000 kids who are currently out of the system would get insured through the Medicaid program if we expand it. And so the benefits are really wide ranging beyond the direct benefit, which is health insurance coverage for adults. Absolutely. And we've shared information on our website and social media through the from the Georgetown Center for Children and Families, which has done a lot of work on that, uh, the, the effects on kids um, through uh, in expansion states. Um, so here's the Here's another $20,000 question. So with all of these great, um, great effects that you talk about, so why hasn't Kansas expanded Medicaid yet? Yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a couple of reasons. I think the primary reason is, is politics. The uh, expansion of Medicaid is part of the Affordable Care Act, and there's long been a resistance in Kansas to participating or cooperating with the provisions of the Affordable Care Act. So it's actually been something that we have largely shot ourselves in the foot. We've cut off our nose to spite our face by not participating. Um, if you if you speak to folks who will be opponents, some of them will actually say we we don't we don't participate in Obamacare here in Kansas, so we're not going to play. Other issues that have come up have been things. There have been uh, some concerns about what the cost of the program would be. So. When Congress wrote this bill, uh, they were aware that there would be some resistance from some states because of the cost of the Medicaid program. So they actually made it a really good deal for states. So in the Medicaid expansion, the federal government will never pay less than 90% of the full cost of the program. In the current Medicaid program here in Kansas, the feds pay about 60% of program costs. And so it's a much better deal. Nevertheless, there, have been, there has been some concern about had to come up with that 10% that the state would be responsible for. In the current environment where we actually have a, a bill with some bipartisan support, that problem has been solved through uh, levying an assessment on hospitals who would benefit from the program by getting more insured patients. The hospitals will kick some money back into the Medicaid system to pay for that. But even even without that, um, I would argue that this is a program that would probably pay for itself. When you look at the economic impact of bringing nearly a billion dollars of new federal money into the state, every penny of it would get spent on health care services. That money would circulate throughout communities. There is an analysis from a Kansas State economist that we would create more than 13,000 new jobs because of this. 
all those folks are going to pay income taxes to the state. At the end of the day, the state is probably going to come out ahead. But nevertheless, there is now a, an assessment on, a proposed assessment on hospitals to cover that cost. I think with that, hopefully we have taken care of a lot of what the opposition is going to be, other than, than the remaining ideological opposition, which is still out there. Sure. Um, so you, you were talking a little bit about the bipartisan bill that's a kind of up this session. So talk a little bit about that. What What's the landscape like for Medicaid expansion this year? It seems to be a little different than in some past years. Yeah, and so what's going on? And so it, to do that, let me let me kind of zoom zoom out a little bit and and go back in time a little bit and provide some context. And so this is an issue that you know I said at the at the top of the podcast I've been working on for a long time. So I have been um, working with legislators on trying to pass Medicaid expansion in Kansas for close to nine years. Three years ago in the 2017 legislature, we actually passed the Medicaid expansion bill. It was vetoed by Governor Brownback, and we missed overriding that veto by three votes out of 125 in the House. And so it was very close. And and what 2017 illustrated was that we have enough legislative support to pass this if we have a governor that will sign the bill. And that's always been the case. So when Governor Kelly was elected, um, part of, of her platform was being in favor of Medicaid expansion. And so the landscape in the legislature changed. We have legislative majorities. What we didn't have until this year was the support of legislative leadership. And legislative leadership largely determines the agenda that the legislature is able to take on. Um, This year, the Senate Majority Leader, Senator Jim Denning from Overland Park, who has historically been an opponent of Medicaid expansion, has taken another look at the issue, decided that he is in favor of a Medicaid expansion bill that not only looks at Medicaid expansion, but also includes some other health system reforms in the legislation. And he came to an agreement with Governor Kelly on a bipartisan compromise. And so um, with Governor, with Senator Denning's support and Governor Kelly's support, we actually have a bill that has a that has been sponsored by a majority of the members of the Senate. And so, in terms of um, looking like this might be the year that we get Medicaid expansion passed and onto the governor's desk, there's a certainly a better chance of that happening in this legislative session than we've had in the past. Uh, last week and this week, uh, the Senate uh, Health Committee has been hearing testimony on the bill from the governor and Senator Denning. Um, kind of what are the next steps in the process? Well, so the committee this week will finish hearing testimony. Um, sometime next week, we're hearing the committee will work the bill, meaning that they will discuss it in the committee, and I'm sure there will be an attempt to add amendments to it. Um, Our position with the alliance is that the bill as it stands represents a compromise already and and kind of a delicate balance between the two sides, and so we don't want to see any amendments added to it. at that point, presumably, the committee will vote on vote on a bill. Um, if it passes out of the committee, it will then go to the full Senate, um, which will then vote on it. Um, again, hopefully a clean bill, and then it will be sent over to the House to go through the process on that side as well. So I don't expect... Um, 
the whole process to be finished um, anytime really soon. It will probably drag out through the rest of the legislative session, but I think the chances of it passing certainly are better this year, and I'm more optimistic this year than I have been in the past because of the bipartisan uh, agreement that's been reached. Um, fantastic. Um, so for our listeners, for folks who uh, engage with KAC on children's issues and the like, um, what are the thing? What are some things that they could do to help? Well, so the most obvious thing that people can do is to reach out to their uh, state legislators and find out where they stand on this issue. Um, we always like to tell people. Uh, Odds are your legislator is a supporter of Medicaid expansion because a majority of them are. And if that's the case, certainly thank them for that. Legislators get uh, a lot of vitriol from constituents, don't often get thanked for doing the right thing. And so we try to encourage our advocates and supporters to thank them for doing the right thing. If your legislator is not a supporter, let them know that this is an issue that's important to you and is something that you will be considering when you go to the ballot box this year. Um, I would like to think that it's because it's an election year that is one of the reasons that Senator Denning has has come to the table and changed his opinion on this. And I would hope that other legislators would see as well that this is a both a popular issue and an issue that um, would really have a lot of benefits for Kansans. Um, beyond uh, legislative outreach, folks can certainly uh, talk to their friends and neighbors about this, make sure they are informed about the issue, and um, they can also become members of the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas um, at www.expandcancare.com. And by becoming an Alliance member, we will be able to keep you up to date on where we are in the process and when we need uh, action from our advocates out in the state, we let folks know. And you know, the Alliance is, is one of the largest grassroots um, coalitions in the state. And, and I'd, I'd like to think we've been, we've been very effective in making this an issue that people are concerned about and that people vote about and making it a top issue in the legislature. And hopefully we can get it across the line this year. Absolutely. Um, any any last words, any last thoughts or comments? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I, think, I think to get back to... Um, we have to really get past the the politics on this and just look at the benefits this would bring. And you know, a lot of times, uh, I spend a lot of my time speaking to community community groups about this proposal, and I, it's very common that I'll get a question, um, something like, you know, what difference does it make if the state pays for it, if the feds pay for it? It's all taxpayer money. And my point is always that that is exactly right. We are all federal taxpayers. We are sending money to Washington, D.C. We don't pay lower federal taxes because Kansas chooses not to participate in this program. So instead, our federal tax money is going to California and Colorado and New York and Massachusetts and all those other states that are participating in this program. And we need to get that money back home. And so far, uh, since January of 2014, when this first became available, we have foregone nearly $4 billion of our own tax money coming back home. And it's time that we turn that around and had some of that money coming back home to help us right here in Kansas. Okay. Well, Sheldon, thanks so much. Good. Thank you, Clay. 
Thanks for listening to the Kansas Action for Children podcast. We look forward to bringing you more interviews from the world of Kansas activism in the weeks to come. If you want to listen to past episodes in this series or subscribe for future ones, you have multiple options. First, you can go to our website at kac.org and also sign up for our newsletters and action alerts. Or you could go to Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And finally, you could drop by Stitcher. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.